Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Hi, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you would know after watching last week, we're doing a series called Family Matters. And we want to talk about healthy homes and healthy families. You know, it's only in two more weeks' time that we actually get together as a church. And so I'm so looking forward to that on July the 12th. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us online. And I know that wherever you are, God can speak to you and touch you right where you are right now. Last week was absolutely awesome. We had a guest speaker, Pastor Jürgen Matissius from Awaken Church in San Diego, and he was absolutely brilliant. I've had so much positive feedback from what he shared, and so I'm really grateful for all that he shared with us last week. And I thought it was the perfect introduction to the series that we're embarking on right now called Family Matters. And so one of the things he actually shared last week was he said that society and so many historical powers over the years have been based on firm family values, that they've been structured on a healthy family unit. One of those groups that he actually talked about was the Roman Empire, how the Romans actually had a philosophy that a healthy nation was actually made up of healthy homes. This is absolutely true. You know, in the letter of Ephesians, there's actually a section there which actually discusses this. Ephesians itself as a letter was written by the Apostle Paul in the same format as the Romans would write what they would call call-to-arms letters. And so he writes the letter to the Ephesians in the same kind of format that the Romans would do when they're communicating to their towns and cities that they're actually going to war. And one of the things he addresses in there is the family unit and the behaviours expected from the different members of the family. So just like the Romans would say that healthy homes are de- a healthy nation is dependent on healthy homes, here the Apostle Paul is also saying that a healthy church and a healthy kingdom is founded upon healthy homes. And that is why right now I believe so many house- households and families are being attacked. Because the enemy knows if he can come and pull apart the family unit, He can actually weaken the church, and he can actually weaken the kingdom of God. And so I want to talk to you today somewhat dovetailing with what Pastor Jürgen talked about last week. And I want to talk to you about a thing, the title of my message today is called House House Rules. And that is that four behaviours that will help help us to have healthy homes. And these are all found from the letter of Ephesians, which, as I said, was written in the same format as the Romans would do a a call to arms letter. And so we can see from this letter behaviors that God wants us to have to have a healthy and strong home. So with that in mind, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And it says this, it says in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The first behaviour that the Apostle Paul says is essential for a healthy home, he's actually addressing the wives first. And he says, wives, submit to or respect your husbands. Now, historically, there's been lots of parts of the body of Christ that have used this verse out of context to somehow suppress women in the home, to somehow keep a woman in her place. And so you'll have people say, see, woman, 
You've got to submit, do what your husband says. But actually, if you read around this, you can see that's not exactly what it's saying. In the verse before that, in verse 21, the Apostle Paul actually says, talking to the church, talking to people, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So he's actually telling everybody that in certain things, they've got to submit to one another. So this isn't just a one-way street of submission. Not only that, the fact that he's addressing families and he addresses the wife first, that actually elevates her position. In that culture, you would not address the wife first. You would not address the woman first. You would actually address the husband first. And so this was quite controversial. When the Apostle Paul says he starts addressing the wives, he's elevating her importance to being of equal value to the husband. So why is it that he actually says, wives submit to your husbands? Well, what he is actually doing is he is highlighting the behaviours necessary to have a fully functioning home. You see, men are very often wired for respect. What, if, what, what makes a guy feel good, what makes a guy feel loved, is actually when he is respected by his wife. And in the same way, the Apostle Paul here says that wives, you are to submit to your husbands or you are to respect your husbands. That's why the scripture tells us how all through Proverbs, you see, so many times there's so many references to how men hate being nagged by their wives. Why? Because they feel like it's a sign of disrespect. T.D. Jakes actually says this, I heard him say, that when a man comes home from work, he wants to be applauded. That's not to say that he is to be like worshipped or anything like that, but he wants to be respected for the things that he has actually done. Men are wired for respect. When a wife is respectful to her husband, it makes him feel more loving towards her and it actually, actually makes him feel more healthier and happier uh, in the home. I remember a number of years ago, uh, my wife Trish actually had this revelation and, and so often I would come home from work and the boys were little and, and as soon as I'm home from work, I've had a big day and and very often they'd want to jump all over me and that sort of thing. And, and I was still trying to decompress for the day. And, and she didn't have to do this. And I'm not saying that you have to do this at home either, ladies. But my wife decided that each time when I came home, uh, she was going to make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and sit out and let me sit down and have a chat with her and that sort of thing just before it's time for me to engage with the kids. What was she doing? She was honouring and respecting me in such a way that when I came home, I actually looked forward to it. And in the same way, it says here, wives, be respectful uh, towards your husbands. I've seen it many, many times. If a man feels unappreciated at home, it can sometimes drive him into the arms of someone else who would act more respectful to them. And so one of the glues and the behaviours that will keep our families together is actually when, uh, is when husbands feel like they're actually getting a level uh, of respect. The next thing that it actually says is this. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So watch this. He said to the wives, wives, submit, respect your husbands. And then he says to the husbands, husbands, love your wives. Now think about it. He only tells the husband to love the wife and he only tells the wife to respect the husband. He doesn't tell the wife to actually love the husband. And he doesn't tell the husband 
to actually submit to the wife. What is he doing? He's not saying that women should not love their husbands. And he's not saying that men should not submit to their, should not respect their wives. He's actually highlighting, once again, as I just said, the behaviours that will actually help their family uh, work well together. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 5, 28 to 30, it says, So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So notice this, the loving behaviour required of the husband is supposed to be something continual. It's supposed to be something where we're continually taking care of our wives and hopefully having her needs met. Husbands, love your wives. You know, that is such a heavy thing for us to do as husbands. So often we can be focused on so many things. But this is telling us that a priority that we need to have is actually love for our wives. Now, a number of years ago, I read a book called The Five Love Languages. And it was written by, the man by, by, uh, written by a man by the name of Dr. Gary Chapman. And he actually said that there are different ways that we express love to others and there's different ways we interpret love from others. That each and every one of us has what you would call a primary love language. Now, I would totally agree with this. I know that one of my major love languages is actually words of affirmation. And so what that means is if I'm, uh, you know, that I'll give, if I'm going to express love to someone, I'll do it with words of affirmation. If someone is speaking a positive words to me, I really, really take it to heart. And that's really kind of like my strength. However, my wife Trish is actually the opposite. Her strength, her love language isn't words of affirmation. She has another love language called acts of service. And so acts of service means that you express love by serving someone else and you receive love by someone doing something, an act of service to you. Now, the funny thing is this. If you would have asked me what my weakest love language was, I would tell you it's acts of service. And Trisha's, probably Trisha's weakest love language is words of affirmation. Now, I know in different people's families, they're actually, they're wired completely differently. That very often it might be the wife who has a lot of words of affirmation. You know, I've heard of guys who once said they love their wife on their wedding day and then haven't said it since. That they might say things, well, I told you on our wedding day, it's still true. But in our family, it's not like that. I tell my wife I love her every single day. But the problem is, that's not her love language. I remember one day, one day saying to my wife, saying, Trish, I tell you I love you so much. Do you know how many ladies would love their husband to tell them they love them as much as I love you? And you know what Trish said to me? She looks at me and she said, talk's cheap. Words did nothing for her at all. She was looking at the lawn that wasn't being mowed. She was looking at the weeds in the yard. And that is actually my greatest weakness, the actual acts of service. So when I read this passage of scripture... I've learnt that in order for my wife to feel like I love her, I've actually got to speak her language. And so I have to force myself to do certain acts of service. And I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like doing it. It's not something that I enjoy at all. But I do know that she likes it. I remember one time uh, when we had a house with a really big backyard. 
I went out in the backyard and I thought to myself, I'm going to do a bit of yard work. And I didn't really feel like it, never enjoyed it, but I thought I'm going to go out and do a bit of yard work. And I remember at the time, Trish was inside the house. I don't know if she was in the kitchen or in the lounge room. She was just pottering around. And so I went out and I just started doing stuff in the yard. All of a sudden, I could see her kind of look out the window. And she got kind of all excited. And so she comes downstairs. She puts her little glove on, little gloves on. She gets her little gardening tools. And she starts working in the backyard. And she's like the happiest I'd seen her all day. And I remember thinking to myself, is that what it takes? Is that what you need for me to, for you to feel loved? But it's actually true that in order for her to feel loved, that was something that I had to do. Sometimes I've noticed this, that sometimes God puts people together who in some ways are very different, sometimes opposites, to actually develop, develop us and to draw even better things out of us. And so because of that, one of the things I've learned is this, if my wife is to feel loved, there are things I need to do in order for her to feel that way. And it's actually my job for her to feel loved. That's why even the way that I talk to my wife, in the way that I speak to her, in the way that she speaks to me, we want to communicate that love and communicate that respect in such a way that it will keep us together. If you're speaking words of uh, negativity to your spouse, if you're doing things, you might doing things that are putting them off, you might find you're actually driving them away and sometimes in extreme cases, driving them into the arms of somebody else. The glue here that the Apostle Paul is saying, he is saying that as husbands and as wives, as we knit together and as we love and respect each other, women were made for love, men were made for respect. If I love her and she respects me, that will keep us together and help us with a healthy marriage. That is why it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See that? He kind of bundled it all together. And he says, this is the glue that's going to keep your family together. He is saying that wives, you've got to, husbands, you've got to love your wife as you love yourself, and wives, you've got to respect your husband. So talk, think about the way that you talk to him. Think about the way that you treat him. And if you do that, you will find it will keep your marriage strong and keep it solid. One of the other ways I've found, and there's another love language actually called quality time. And one of the other things I've found is that with a husband and wife, that one of the ways to keep it strong and keep it together is actually to maintain intimacy. Now, I know that when we talk about intimacy, oh, very often we jump to physical intimacy. But actually, I'm not talking about physical intimacy. In fact, I believe that's a byproduct of more emotional intimacy. And one of the things that can happen when you're married is that with children and as the children grow and you've got so many tasks and responsibilities that you've got to do, that very often we can be working side by side to making our life happen but not spe don't spend enough time actually personally engaging. See, it's one thing to live side by side with your spouse, but it's another thing to actually engage face to face. And one of the things I've noticed is that in 20 years of ministry and having seen people with marriages sometimes fall apart, very often I'll ask them, have you ever spent time face, how often do you spend face to face? Do you go on a date together where it's just you, the two of you, and you start talking? And so often I've found that in marriages that are falling apart, that is something that, is, that ceases. 
I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and I found out that he and his wife had split up and it really shocked me because when you looked at that couple, they just looked like the model Christian family. And they were very engaged. They were doing projects together. They were doing real estate projects together. They were really engaged in the life of their children. And I just thought they had the perfect kind of family unit. But when it all fell apart, I remember speaking to him and I said, what had happened? And he said he and his wife had grown apart over a number of years. And then I just said to him, I said, do you ever spend time together? Do you ever go on a date? Do you ever have a night a, night a week or a day a week where it's just the two of you? And he said to me, he said, Alma, ever since we've had children, we've never done that. We've never had any time where we've been face to face. What I had observed is that they were living life side by side. But what they were missing was that face-to-face intimacy that keeps them glued together. I know for Trish and myself, one of the things we fight for is that face-to-face time. Where literally we might go somewhere. One of the favourite things we do is we go to a different cafe every week. And we go down and we sit down and have a cuppa. And we've known each other for so long. In fact, actually, as of this week coming up, it's actually our 20th wedding anniversary. So we've been together a long time and you think to yourself, I know everything there is to know about this person. There's other things maybe I need to do right now. But we'll sit down and we'll talk and then, you know, initially we're just looking at each other. You know, I'm looking at her, she's looking at me and we're thinking, well, you know, I think, is there anything else to know about each other? But all of a sudden we just start chatting. Things that start coming out. I'll talk about something and I say, oh, didn't I tell you that? She goes, no, you didn't tell me that and vice versa and... And all of a sudden, after a couple of hours, we spent time reconnecting, just, just, um, you know, just emotionally, started talking, and by the end of that time, we feel incredibly close. It's amazing how, how so many things can come in and creep in on that time. But what I've learned is this, that as we spend that time together on a weekly basis, it's helped to make our marriage a lot more stronger than what it would otherwise be. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. That's two of the behaviours for a healthy home. The next thing that the Apostle Paul talks about is he talks about parents and children. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is a famous verse. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So the third key to a happy home, the third behaviour that keeps homes healthy, is children, obey your parents. Now, it's once again unusual that they would address the children first. You know, I said to you before that normally that, you know, they would address the husband before the wife. And normally in a situation like this, you would address the parents before the children. But actually he addresses the children. And so once again, he's actually elevating their importance. And he says to them, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He's talking to children who are still living in the home. He's talking to children who, still, who are still living under the cover of their parents. And notice the promise that he actually makes here. It's actually based on, I remember Pastor Jürgen actually mentioned this last week. It's the fifth commandment, uh, honour your father and mother. And it's the only commandment of the ten that actually has a promise, that it may go well with you in the land God's giving you. So what that tells me is that there is a blessing for us as we honour our parents. 
that there's something powerful. Our future is actually ensured by us honouring our parents. That our future, even here it says, is determined by how we treat our parents. Now notice this. It's not dependent on how our parents treated us. I know some people have gone through some terrible, terrible times. There are some people watching this that have been treated dreadfully by their parents. And there's been a number of hang-ups that you've had to sort through as a result of that. But the awesome thing is when you become a Christian, you can actually deal with some of those dysfunctions that you grew up with. But here there's a promise associated with how we treat our parents, that it may go well with you in the land God's giving you. And so I know here he's actually talking to children who are living at home, that it's important for them to obey their parents. But you know what? I just get a sense, even as I'm speaking now, that there are some people watching this and you have some unresolved issues with your parents. And maybe you're justified in, because of the way that they treated you. But there is a promise that God has for you, and that is this, that if you honour your father and mother, all may go well with you in the land that God's giving you. I love last week how Pastor Jürgen said that God spoke to him about stepping out and telling his dad that he loved him. Naturally, a child would wait for the parent to actually say it to them. But he felt God say to him, no, you don't wait, you just step out and do it. And he did that as a young adult. He did that as a grown man. And maybe you're watching this and you have an issue with your parents and you've been waiting for them to change or you've been waiting for them to do something differently or reach out to you. Maybe right now what you could do is instead reach out to them and start honouring them and start being a blessing to them. And you might find as a result of doing that, that God will release a blessing into your life as well. Just last week, across the, across the world, except for Australia, it was actually Father's Day. And I know for some people that's a difficult time because of the way that they've been treated by their fathers. But I want to let you know that there's great freedom and there's great breakthrough when you start honouring your parents. And maybe right now you need to do that. I want to encourage you that when it comes to honouring your parents, remember he's talking about respect there. So that means maybe change the way you talk about them. Maybe change the way you talk to them. Maybe don't uncover all their flaws to everybody that you talk to and start, and start being more honouring and respectful. You might say, well, they don't deserve it. But the awesome thing here is that this honour is actually unconditional. It doesn't say honour your parents if they were awesome or perfect while you were growing up. It doesn't say that. It just says honour your father and mother. Why? Because there's a blessing for you and there's a blessing for me as well. The third thing that he says here is for children to honour your parents. And the fourth thing is this. It says in Ephesians 6 verse 4, it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So the fourth thing is this. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Now notice this, he's not talking to the mothers. He's actually talking to the fathers. Because very often in this society, very often would fathers would leave the training up of their children to someone who served them and worked for them. In fact, if you continue to study Ephesians, he actually then starts referring to people who were slaves or servants and people who were masters. So he's writing to households here that may have had people who were like live-in servants. And he is saying here to the fathers, don't abdicate your responsibility for raising up your children. 
Don't leave it to your wife. Don't leave it to others. Notice this, the fact also that he is speaking to the fathers obviously indicates how important it is for, uh, in the growth of a child for the influence of a father. Just last week, Pastor Jurgen talked about this, talked about the importance of fathers who, raised, who, who were engaged with their children. He talked about how, um, how so many more, uh, it's more, much more likely for a child to come to faith if they're actually raised up in a Christian home with a Christian father. And in the same way here, he is saying this. He says, don't provoke your children to wrath, but also bring them up in the training and the admonition of the, of the Lord. So what that means is that as fathers, we have to model the, spirit, uh, to model the spiritual life we want our children to have. That's why one of the greatest things you can do for your children is actually model that to them by actually coming and being part of a local church and prioritizing that. I've told you, church, many times live that one of the reasons why I believe I'm a Christian is because of my father's modeling that to me and showing how important that was to me. So I grew up my entire life, even in the years when I wasn't a Christian, knowing that going to church was just part of what you did. And I believe that one of the reasons why I love the Lord now is because I have a father who actually modeled that to me as well. Notice this also. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children. He doesn't say, children, don't provoke your fathers. Because he knows that children are, find that impossible as we're raising up children. They'll say things that are dishonoring. They'll clap back at us and that sort of thing. And so he doesn't, tell, he doesn't say that to the children. Children, don't provoke your parents or don't provoke your father. And so what that means is this, that there's going to be times as a father where our children might do or say things that will provoke us. And so what we need to do in response is to not overreact, to show self-control. There might be things that they say and do that would actually drive you crazy, but we're not to come down to their level. We're supposed to experience the level of maturity that we should have over our children. He doesn't say, children, don't provoke your parents because there's times when they're actually going to do it. But he does say, parents don't provoke your children. What that means is that they very often don't have the wherewithal to cap down their frustration. That there are times as parents, we've got to ease back on them so that their frustration doesn't boil over, so that we can help them and train them and raise them up. Fathers are so vital to the health and strength of a family. That is why I believe, and as Pastor Jürgen said before, that as the father goes, so does the family go. And I know in the life of our church, there are many fathers that are struggling right now. One of the best things you can do is join a connect group. We're going to have a men's breakfast coming up on July 25 and that sort of thing. And we would love it for all, our, all, the, uh, all the men in our church and all the dads in our church. If you're not part of a Christian community, if you're not part of one of our connect groups, we'd love to you be a, for you to be a part of it. Because we know that as you go and as you get strengthened, so your household will go as well. He doesn't say mothers don't provoke your children. He actually says fathers don't provoke your children. And as I said, the percentage of people coming to know the Lord, the percentage of people going to church and following God is much higher when their father is actually a Christian. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you're a father and you're saying, well, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I don't consider myself the most spiritual man. But you'll be amazed at the influence that you actually have on your kids the values that you impart just by modelling to them. 
you might think to yourself, well, I'm trying to model these behaviours and it looks like the kids are rejecting it. But you know what it says in Proverbs? It says, train a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So it doesn't mean they won't depart from it when they're young, but they'll depart from it when they're old. I've been a pastor now for 20 years. My sister is in ministry in Melbourne. And we've had, and my parents have had people say to them, say, how did you raise up kids that actually love God like that? And they thought that we must have been angels growing up. But to be perfectly honest, me and my sister were absolute terrors. We completely rebelled against our family. We completely rebelled against the things of God. And we were both living lifestyles that were completely ungodly and completely not Christian. Yet as we grew older, we came back to our faith. The things that were instilled in us are by our parents and by our dad. And now that we've got our own families, we're continuing to walk with God and hopefully being a good example to the next generation. I want to encourage those people who are saying, I try to change my kids in the training and the admonition of the Lord and it doesn't look like it's working. Well, the word of the Lord to you is this. Train a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart. And for some people, I just want to let you know that you've got some of your children about to have children for the first time. You watch, they're going to come back to the house of God because they're going to realize the importance of faith in their life. That all that you sowed into them when they were younger has not become void. The Christian education that you gave them at a Christian school, by being part of a local church and being part of a kid's ministry, you've helped train them and raise them up in the admonition and fear of the Lord. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And I just sense right now in the life of our church, there are families coming back to the house of God. Some of you, your children don't go to church and they've got their own children. And I see over the course of the next season, some of them are going to come back and some of them are going to be sitting next to you here in church because the promise of God is sure. Train a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Trisha's in my heart is that our church will be full of healthy families. I know right now there's lots of people going through very difficult situations. There's lots of families feel, um, experiencing internal strife and, 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 and under a lot of pressure. But I just felt God say that there is hope for you. That as wives, as you respect your husband, husband, as you love your wives, children, as you obey and respect your parents, and fathers, don't provoke your children, but raise them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I believe if though you instill those four behaviours in your home, you will find your family unit become stronger, you will find it becoming healthier, and you'll be able to become part of the territory-taking kingdom and church that God has called us to be. So right now, wherever you are, if you're struggling in your family life right now, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your children, I want to pray for you right now. And I want to pray for God to come and help you and intervene in that situation. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person watching this. And I ask and pray that you would just, I pray for every single family that they would be a healthy home, that the marriages will be healthy and strong, that the husbands will be loving, Lord God, that the wives would have respect, that the children would be obedient, and that the fathers will be able to raise up their children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And I pray, Father, for those families that feel like they're too far gone, those families that feel like that it's gone too far, they, the, the eggs are too scrambled. I ask and pray, Lord God, that you would just do a reversal of that, Lord God. 
And I pray and declare healthy families and healthy homes of the people participating in this service today. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless your heaps, everyone. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.